Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Real Life. I'm Lisa, and today we are going to be talking about anger. We have a special two-part episode concerning anger. Uh, the first describes anger and things like that. And then the part two uh, will describe mental illness with anger. This podcast is not intended to replace therapy, counseling, or seeing a psychiatrist. All information is researched and opinions are my own. I am a mental health registered nurse and professional content developer. So let's start the first part of our anger series. First of all, Anger is one of the basic human emotions, as elemental as happiness, sadness, anxiety, or disgust. These emotions are tied to basic survival and were honed over the course of human history. Anger is related to the fight, flight, or freeze response of the sympathetic nervous system. It prepares humans to fight, but fighting doesn't necessarily mean throwing punches. It might motivate communities to combat injustice by changing laws or enforcing new norms. Of course, anger too easily or frequently mobilized uh, can undermine relationships or damage physical health in the long term. Prolonged release of the stress hormones that accompany anger can destroy neurons in areas of the brain associated with judgment and short-term memory and weaken the immune system. For those who struggle with chronic anger or for those who only experience occasional outbursts, learning skills to identify and navigate this powerful emotion can lead to growth and change. So, in this first part of a two-part episode on anger, we are going to be talking about the experience of anger, how to manage anger, and mental health conditions and anger. The mental health conditions and anger is the second part of our anger series. So, the experience of anger. Everyone knows the feeling. It's that rage that rises when a driver is cut off on the highway or an employee is demeaned by his boss. People have trouble managing anger and other negative emotions. However, unleashing anger doesn't produce the sense of catharsis people crave. It tends to feed on itself instead. The best path forward may be to understand anger, its roots, its triggers, its consequences, and cultivate the ability to manage it. What causes anger? The question of why some shrug off annoyances while others explode in rage is a fascinating one. One model of anger put forth by psychologist Jerry Deffenbacher uh, posits that anger results from a combination of the trigger event, the qualities of the individual, 
and the individual's appraisal of the situation. The trigger is the event that provokes anger, such as being cut off in traffic or yelled at by a parent. The qualities of the individual include personality traits such as narcissism, competitiveness, and low tolerance for frustration, and the pre-anger state, like levels of anxiety or exhaustion. Perhaps most importantly is cognitive appraisal, appraising a situation as blameworthy, unjustified, punishable, etc. The combination of these components determines if and why people get mad. So, which personality traits are linked to anger? Research suggests that the tendency to become angry is associated with high neuroticism and low agreeableness. Outside of the big five personality traits, uh, a few habits and attitudes may be linked to anger. These include entitlement, believing that one's rights and privileges are superior to those of other people. Next, focusing on things out of personal control, such as a partner's behavior. Then external regulation of emotions, trying to regulate emotions by controlling one's environment. External locus of control, believing well-being is controlled by sources outside of oneself. Then there is refusal to see other perspectives, viewing different perspectives as threats. Low tolerance for discomfort. Low tolerance for ambiguity. And hyperfocus on blame. And then lastly, having a fragile ego. So, are there different types of anger? Anger is a core emotion, but it may manifest differently based on its source. Uh, justifiable anger is moral outrage at the injustices of the world, such as the oppression of human rights or an abusive relationship. Justifiable anger may have benefits in the short term because its intensity can be channeled into action for change. And there is annoyance anger. Uh, annoyance anger can arise from the many frustrations of daily life. Aggressive anger is used in situations where one individual attempts to exercise dominance, intimidation, manipulation, or control over another. Temper tantrums are disproportional outbursts of anger when an individual's wants and needs are not fulfilled, no matter how unreasonable and inappropriate. Another question. Do men and women 
experience anger differently? Well, the relationship between gender, anger, and violence is more complex than people realize. And common beliefs, such as that men are angrier than women, are often false after a close examination of the research. What's not as complicated, though, is the relationship between masculinity, anger, and aggression. Studies show that masculinity is associated with anger. When men's masculinity is threatened, they react with increased anger. Challenging men's testosterone levels yields a similar effect, and seemingly dormant masculinity often emerges when men get drunk. Why does anger sometimes feel good? In contrast to anger arising from interpersonal conflict, a transgression or betrayal, moral outrage focuses less on outing someone else's problematic behavior than inflating one's own sense of self. This type of outrage, called virtue signaling or more grandstanding, may underscore one's virtuous attributes by pointing out non-virtuous attributes in others. Essentially, putting others down unconsciously raises oneself up. From an evolutionary perspective, humans aimed to obtain and maintain strong social standing within small-scale communities. Expressing outrage about the behavior of others may partly function to elevate the status of the person expressing the outrage, which may explain why outrage often feels so good. Why do people have revenge fantasies? Revenge involves embitterment, the sense of having been let down or victimized, coupled with a desire to fight back, feeling helpless to do so, then leads to fantasies of revenge or aggression. Vengeful thoughts may arise in an attempt to protect the self from damaged confidence and self-efficacy. Calm feelings of frustration, humiliation, and insult by settling the score between the victim's suffering and the perpetrator's actions and offer a mechanism to regain, regain power and stability. Now, thoughts of revenge are especially likely in individuals who have been victimized and traumatized by others. They are more likely in individuals diagnosed with PTSD. 
And that brings to mind another question. Why do people hold grudges? The common advice to forgive and forget can be well-intentioned, but difficult to internalize. Many people hold deep grudges, even if they don't want to. This may occur because grudges come with an identity. With a grudge intact, people know they were wronged. There exists a kind of rightness and strength in this identity. Still, grudges don't tend to make people feel better or heal their sadness or anger. Shifting focus away from the offender into the event, its consequences allows people to integrate the experience into their narrative and release their grudge. And another question, what are the consequences of continual anger? Anger creates a a surge of energy. When that happens, chemicals such as adrenaline enter the bloodstream. Heart rate and blood flow increase, and the muscles tense. This can compromise the immune system and cardiovascular system, which can even shorten the lifespan when sustained. Let's talk about excessive and uncontrollable anger. Excessive and uncontrollable anger can cause rifts in important relationships, challenges in the workplace, and legal and financial problems. Anger can hijack the ability to think clearly, leading to poor judgment and of course, decision-making. It often, well, it's often at the root of substance use disorder, domestic violence, abuse, and other conditions. Which leads us to say, how can we manage anger? Well, anger, like all emotions, should be monitored with self-awareness. This can prevent it from spiraling into hostile, aggressive, or violent behavior toward others or even oneself. Uh, Support groups for, for anger management can help people understand anger, identify its triggers, and develop skills to manage their emotions. In groups or individual settings, cognitive restructuring can coach patients to reframe unhealthy, inflammatory thoughts. Outside of therapy, techniques from deep breathing and emotion labeling to adopting a problem-solving mindset can help people learn to navigate anger on their own. 
Well, you may say, how can I manage my anger? If you are often carried away by anger, it can be helpful to understand the patterns that trigger you. It's possible to intervene at different points along the way to deal with anger effectively. First, sleep. Sleep deprivation makes it harder to control angry impulses. So regular healthy sleep can prevent you from being provoked. Next, consider alternative interpretations and ask yourself what evidence you have to support your angering interpretation. Consider different perspectives. Next, take deep breaths. Take long, slow, deep breaths using the diaphragm rather than the chest. Then avoid the catharsis myth. Yes, avoid the catharsis myth. Venting anger, acting with aggression, and viewing aggressive content does not tend to release anger effectively. Next, know what well, know that it's okay to get mad. If you have been wronged, treated unfairly, or provoked, you should get angry, but express it assertively instead of aggressively. How can you manage anger that's warranted? In cases of warranted anger, such as a coworker who never contributes to collaborative projects, you may want to use a different set of anger management tips. In those situations, distance yourself from the angering situation. This will help you stop ruminating and develop a clear path forward. Number two, Dedicate time to thinking about how to solve the root problem so it doesn't occur again. Three, express your anger assertively with a solutions-oriented approach rather than aggressively. You may then ask, how can I reframe situations to stop getting mad. Anger is often a result of misunderstanding other people's actions and assigning our own meaning to them. For example, someone who struggles with anger might say, he cut me off on purpose, he was out to get me, or she was in my face waving her finger and yelling at me, she deserved to be hit. These thoughts fuel a cycle of rage if the perpetrator intentionally and maliciously attacked the victim the, the victim has no choice but to retaliate however considering other perspectives and regulating emotions can manage anger Instead of assuming the worst, you could consider 
they may not have seen me, or maybe they had a bad day. It has nothing to do with me personally. How can you handle angry people? Different expressions of anger will elicit different responses, but a few tips can help deal with angry people who are verbally aggressive, insulting, or even threatening. First, ask yourself if the anger is justified. There may be something you can do to to help resolve the situation. Next, stay calm. Avoid yelling, swearing, or raising your voice, which may exacerbate the situation. Speak slowly and directly, and keep your voice calm and soft. Number three, avoid character assaults. The middle of an angry exchange isn't the time to discuss larger problems. Four, know when to disengage. If the possibility of a positive resolution is unlikely, you may want to end the conversation or just walk away. And lastly, stay safe. An angry person is not necessarily a violent person. Still, if you feel that you are in danger, exit the situation immediately. And what do people learn in anger management? Anger management, which may be taught in individual or group sessions, involves learning to understand one's anger and developing skills to cope with it. This process involves identifying what triggers anger, strategies for prevention and mitigation, and skills to communicate and solve problems. Anger management should not attempt to deny a person's anger. Anger is a protective emotion, but it often functions to protect a fragile ego, which may involve guilt, shame, and anxiety. A technique to reduce anger is to render it unnecessary by enhancing self-worth by reinforcing personal values. And then... How do therapists treat patients with severe anger problems? Patients who have severe anger and commitment, abuse, or violence can be challenging to reach in therapy. Overcoming anger often requires acknowledging a patient's most vulnerable feelings, which is antithetical to the emotionally detached, action-oriented persona they may have adopted to protect themselves. In order to feel in control and avoid their pain, they may throw their weight around, intimidating the therapist and making sure he or she is kept at a distance. The therapist can aim to be persistent, 
patient and avoid being provoked. With enough time, the patient can become comfortable enough to share vulnerabilities that may have fueled patterns of anger and abuse. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Two on Anger. Our second episode will cover mental health conditions and anger. This is Real Life. I'm Lisa. Stay well.